This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is the besotted Pride of West London Millipod. And with the Liverpool match coming up, we thought it's time to get back on the blower with Neil from the Enfield Rap. Just to let you know, this is the full interview with Neil that we're going to put out separately to our main pre-match podcast. But if you want to listen to the pre-match podcast with myself, the Allard and the Cog discussing the Wolves match, we're listening to the, what the fans had to say in the stadium straight after the match. We've got JB's Facts and Funks, the Gowler and B's breakdown with this statistical and tactical analysis of the Wolves and the Liverpool match, and a little more of Neil from the Anfield Rap. Check out the Liverpool preview podcast on Pride of West dot london right now but back to neil neil how are you very well indeed very very well it's good to see you man i'm telling you you, you you're looking quite chipper quite quite chipper because you know that the, the 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 race for the title is still back on and you are probably a little bit nervous because you come into the bees hole and things don't necessarily go particularly well when you come to brentford but still you've got to be happier than you were probably even this time last season Oh, so much happier than this time last season. I mean, it's it's chalk and cheese between the two states. We were we were in a really bad way, February twenty twenty three. Uh, it's amongst the worst times the managers had uh, during this tenure. It was you know uh, it was a bad period for a lot of players, and we were also stuck in this mad loop where we just basically kept playing a variant of Wolves, Brighton, and Chelsea, which sometimes happens over the course of a season. We had Wolves in the FA Cup, uh, went to a replay. We had them home and away, close together, back to back. We had Brighton in the league. Um, and then we had them in the FA Cup as well, and we had Chelsea. So, yeah, at least we're not playing any of those three over and over and over again. I mean, talking about playing Wolves over and over and over again, well, we played yes. <laughs> we played them four times in just over a month. And uh, I have to admit, and like I said, if you listen to the podcast, I talked about the fact that I was literally, I, wasn't gonna, I just had no, I just didn't have the motivation to go to Wolves to see them, but play them four times in a week, which probably shows you how sport you get in the Premier League when you get to the stage where you're thinking, oh, I don't want to go and watch a Premier League match. But I decided at the last minute, it was my Panthers games, two of them were off in one day due to the rain. And the last minute, I did a lastminute.com up the motorway and I was very happy to have gone to that game where we actually won. <laughs> we won 2 0, and Ivan Tony scored, even though he was ill. But we'll talk about that maybe a little bit later because I want to talk to you about the big question, obviously, on everyone's lips now is Jurgen Klopp. You're probably bored of sort of talking about it now, and he's off. But I just want to know, really realistically, talking to you because I, I respect your opinion, how big 
a body blow is this to to yourself and to Liverpool fans and to Liverpool? On a on a personal level, uh, and on a you know, I think on a personal level for everyone um, and for the city, it, it, it's a massive body blow because because the esteem that Klopp's held in uh, in terms of what he's achieved, but also you know his his general demeanour separate to literally the ninety minutes of football. Uh, the 90 minutes of football is and always will be the most important thing. Uh, and he's obviously a brilliant football manager. There's 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 a line I always say, which is winning helps. But winning helps Jurgen Klopp do a lot of the other things that Jurgen Klopp does. You know, because of his standing and his stature, he's able to speak out on LGBT issues uh, around Liverpool and around some chanting that there used to be around Chelsea. And he's able to effectively win the argument in one interview or two interviews as, as it transpired. Um, winning helps with that, but also having that sort of that presence and that leadership and that willingness to fill that role, which I think maybe in a number of ways came as a bit a bit of a shock to him in his first interview. He talks about himself as the normal one and uses that sort of language about who he is as a manager. But his style of communication um, is straightforward. No nonsense is perhaps not quite accurate because I think he is capable of a little bit of nonsense here and there. But his his desire to to Answer a very answer the question thoroughly, even if he doesn't particularly like being asked the question, but thoroughly meaning that he exhausts everything he's got to say on a topic, um, and does so with a certain amount of economy uh, as well at times. Like that's it, that's finished, that's finished with. Now I've told you what I think, and I've got nothing else. I've got nothing else for you. Is a bit of his demeanour. Everything that he's done, um, everything that he's won, the the difference the football club there is in the football club globally, nationally, and locally uh, from. 2015 when he arrived the way in which it is now in 2024 all of that is such a such an enormous achievement that it is a massive body blow that he's going to be leaving the club the flip side of it is though he is leaving the club in a very different place to the club that he picks up in 2015 and there is no reason why the next manager can't go on and be relatively successful and by relatively successful I mean as successful as Jürgen Klopp has been in terms of trophies won um, there's no reason why that that can't be the case. Other managers have won trophies uh, home and abroad. Whilst Jurgen Klopp's been Liverpool manager, other managers have won games of football. Uh, you know, you don't need in, in the same way that you don't need Virgil Van Dijk to be able to have a good defence. Other teams have got a good defence. You don't need Jurgen Klopp um, to win football matches. So it's not the end of something. You know, a, a lot of the discourse on the day I went on Five Live and there was such a tone of mourning by APM and I'd had a couple of pints and I was like, this is ridiculous. You know, everyone's acting as though that's it now. It's all finished. Liverpool will never win as much as a Tom Bowler ever again. And that is demonstrably not the case. Uh, so, you know, I think it's important to understand the scope, the presence and the wondrousness of the man on the one hand, but also just be really, really clear that nothing's finished and nothing's over. The juggernaut will keep moving forward because that's what Liverpool has always done. Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, talk about seismic. I mean, so just give us a scale on a, on a, on a one to ten scale of seismic activity. Where does it sit? Oh, 10. I, I, listen, without there being either the loss of life or a threat to loss of life in a footballing context, I don't think there's a bigger football culture, cultural story. Jurgen Klopp's press conference where he was leaving was on BBC News and Sky News, not BBC Sports News, not that such a thing exists, but Sky Sports News. It was on BBC News and Sky News Live. Um, and as I say, a lot of people don't like that. Our Evertonian cousins don't like that. But the the truth of the matter is that it was about as big a culture. Like people who I know, I was outside of the football sphere were texting me on the day. 
it is about as big a cultural happening as can happen in football as 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 sort of seismic a thing as can happen where something tragic or really sad hasn't happened. I mean, I mean really sad. Jurgen Klopp leaving Liverpool's sad, but what I mean is something genuinely quite tragic. That's how big it was. That's how big it is. That's how seismic it is in Liverpool, but it's also how seismic it is in the country. My friend Adam always observes whenever he listens to uh, uh, Greatest Hits Radio, whenever they can end a news bulletin with a clip of Klopp saying something, they always do. Uh, they go out of the way to do it because he's got this resonance that goes beyond football. Um, so, yeah, it was, you know, it's a 10 um, because we don't ever want any 11s no. anymore. So, so the question is how you deal with this, right, as a team, as a club, as a city. And I'm just wondering, do you think that this could debunk any future plans or do you think that the team, Klopp, that, you know, everybody could actually use it to spur the team on at, this, at least this season? Yeah, at least this season and then beyond. They're all footballers. They're all really, really good players and they're all determined to win. Klopp's made, with his coaching staff, has made a number of them better players. But, you know, I don't believe that there's, you know, 75% of them are going to drop some sort of level in the immediate aftermath of Jurgen Klopp leaving Liverpool. I just don't believe that for a second because I think Virgil van Dijk's incredible and nothing's going to stop him from being. So, you know, that's no big deal um, in terms of where the where the players are at. Liverpool, we know the relationship uh, that exists between uh, wages and output, and Liverpool are one of the bigger wage payers. You know, Liverpool, when the, the money stuff comes in, Liverpool are the seventh richest club in the world. Now, it's hard because from Liverpool's point of view, a number of other Premier League clubs are in the top 20, which isn't the case if you're Paris Saint-Germain and Bayern Munich, Real Madrid, Barcelona. Um, you know, you, you have got a number of these sides, but there's no hiding places. Whoever wants to be the next Liverpool manager, the job is to win. In the short term, between now and the end of the season, I hope and think it will galvanise both support and what's on the pitch to just no messing. We've just got to leave it all out there. Um, no hiding places and no excuses. And all the way through the season, there's been no excuses. And this isn't an excuse either. Liverpool currently sits top of the league. Whether or not Liverpool win the league is in Liverpool's own hands. Um, Liverpool are in the last 16 of the Europa League and they are rightly favourites for that Liverpool are in the League Cup final and they are favourites to win that game and Liverpool are in the FA Cup uh, fifth round and they are second favourites behind Manchester City uh, and have a straightforward-ish game against an upwardly mobile Southampton side to reach the last eight uh, this is not to say that Liverpool will win a quadruple because nobody ever does because the games come so thick and fast and however well you're playing all it takes is one bad day at the office and it can knock you off course but Liverpool can win everything that there is to win this season um, you know as I say I don't think they can win all of them at once but they could win any one of them any two of them and we have seen football clubs including Liverpool themselves win three trophies in a season uh, there's no reason not to remain remarkably ambitious and it is not an excuse so Coming back to Klopp, coming back to your manager. There's loads of names banded about, but let's forget them, though. Let's talk about Neil from the Anfield Rep. Who would you love running the ship next season? Listen, there's, there's a reason why Alonso is everyone's favourite, um, and one of the reasons why I'd be happy with Alonso. Listen, I think the Zerbi's done brilliant things at Brighton, especially last season. I actually like Postacoglu a lot more than a lot of other people do, but it is worth saying that whoever comes in, let's just imagine they come in... It all goes well. August, great. September, great. October, uh-oh. November, uh-oh. And what you wouldn't want is pressure to begin to mount. And one of the main reasons why I think Alonso, why Alonso is my pick, is I think he gets a, a very, like I think Liverpool managers in general get a very reasonable amount of time. I think Alonso gets a very reasonable amount of time plus one. 
maybe plus two, if you see mm. what I mean. So I'd have Alonso for that. I'd, I'd have Alonso for that reason. Yeah. Um, and he also feels like the coming man. And there's a couple of other coming men knocking around the place, but he feels like the coming man. So I'm I'm quite. Um, you know, I I think I think it will be Alonso. I think everyone just needs to brace themselves though for the idea that Alonso himself might say no. Oh, 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 controversial as it is. Look, let's let's go back to your season. Anyway, yeah. you're obviously very happy this season. Okay. So, I mean, just talk to us just briefly about your season, you know, a couple of games that you're happy with this season and just how it's panned out so far. Yeah, I've been really happy with the the, the form in January was exceptional. Um the the beat Newcastle 4-2 on uh, New Year's Day. And I know Brentford supporters understand their expected goals. They actually post the highest expected goals. No, it's ridiculous. Uh, that any team has ever posted it's uh, ridiculous. in the Premier League. Yeah, they, they, they dismantled them. And then they did something similar away at Bournemouth, second half especially. And then they did something uh, similar at home to Chelsea. So, you know, that, that it's an excellent month. It really is. It's a shame in, in hindsight that we only involved three league games. They also put five past Norwich uh, in the, at the same time and qualified for the League Cup final. Things run aground a little bit at Arsenal. It's It wasn't just... It was Liverpool's second league defeat of the season, but it was by a mile their poorest performance. Arsenal played well, don't get me wrong, but Liverpool just never properly got going in the game. We were poor um, back in December away at Palace for 70 minutes, and then we get... What I think is a red card, but it's a red card you very rarely get for two yellows. They were two low-key yellows. Both of them were yellows, uh, but Palace go down to 10, and then we, we we win the game. And we deserve to win the game after they go down to 10, but before then we didn't deserve to win the game. Apart from that, even though we lost to Tottenham after we went down to nine, in, and the whole game was obviously uh, ruined by that rarest of VAR oddities, uh, and I don't mean that facetiously. It's the only one of its type that we know of. Um, where the, the, the literally the VAR booth came to the correct decision and then managed to miscommunicate it to the referee. Mm. Uh, you know, we didn't deserve to lose that day at Tottenham. Um, we arguably deserved to lose at Palace. We definitely deserved to lose at Arsenal. But apart from that, while we have lost two, we, we, we have not deserved to lose another game. Now, that doesn't mean we've always played football from the gods, far from it. But in none of the other games, would it have been a reasonable thing to come away and go, you know what, Liverpool should have, you know, Liverpool should have got beat there. Newcastle even, we score two late goals with Darwin Nunez, but we go, we play 70 minutes in that one with 10 men and we hang on in for dear life. And, you know, the underlying numbers of that game go against us. The scoreline goes for us. But the truth of it was we we really, really battled uh, with everything that we had. Um, and so they got what they deserved. So I'm very much of the view uh, that the way they are in the league by merit, uh, the way they are in the league, you know, on a game-by-game basis, they are playing well. And when given the encouragement to play well, they can play exceptionally well. Um, and I think we might need to see a little bit more of it between now and the end of the campaign. And there's a massive game coming up on the horizon against Manchester City. But part of winning the league title is that they're all massive games. Liverpool have got 14 remaining games, six of them, seven of them are home, seven of them are away. Uh, and six of them are against the top 10 and eight of them against the bottom 10. City split seven and seven. Arsenal split seven and seven. Uh, ours split six and eight. And we've got to be looking at those eight, including this one of coming up against Brentford. And if we can take 24 points from them, then we'll be in in very, very good nick. But it's dead easy for me to say that on a podcast. It's very hard to go and achieve that on a football pitch. Yeah, so marks out of 10 for your season so far? Nine. Ooh, Nine. there's a big nine as well. And I'm just talking about Manchester City as well, because obviously uh, I bet you were on the edge of your seat when we played Manchester City last, was it last week as well? And Neil Malpay, who I said to you, Neil Malpay's the man, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. He, he puts a red and white shirt back and he's back. He's back, please, red and white. And he popped up and scored that first goal. I bet you were properly on your edge of the seat then, weren't you? No. 
Oh, no. Uh, no, because I, I just, I, the, 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 there was a City thing around that game. What I thought was really interesting was I thought Brentford were the better side for 10 minutes at 2 1 to City. And that's, so I sort of, I have a bit of a Manchester City engagement thing where I will engage more and more as a Manchester City game goes on. But for instance, Brentford go 1 0 up. My position, having done this for four seasons now, is to go, well, let's see where we are at half time. And then it was, they scored just before the break. It's annoying. Uh, Annoying, yeah. Well, you'd have to tell me, uh, but sort of to be expected. And then when it went to, what was really interesting was I thought genuinely, I thought Brentford were the stronger side from sixty to seventy, and they just don't quite quite create the quality of opportunity to make it to make it two two. There's a few decent chances in there, but there's nothing quite enough. And then Brentford nod off for a split second, and City make a yeah, right. and that's. That's why you know you don't get your hopes up on this. They were recently Everton had them at seventy minutes at nil nil, and I was like, well, this is a waste of everyone's time. They're going to score there. Um, the game against Newcastle, I allowed myself to get my hopes up at two all as it hit injury time, <laughs> uh, and there's some lad called Oscar Bob to make it three two. This is the, the reality of doing this to Manchester City. We've done it, as I say, we've done it in three separate seasons. We've won one league. We broke them in the first half of the season. They've seen us off by a point in the other two, and now we're back here in this place. This is this is go for. I'd quite like us to end up splitting these two and two, if you don't mind. Yeah. Uh, but what happens is that Manchester City do just continually position themselves and ask questions, and they're a great side, regardless of the off-the-pitch stuff. So, yeah, I don't have my hopes up at 45 minutes if a Manchester if Manchester City are getting beat. I might begin to get them up at 80. Yeah, yeah, and no, I hear that. So, I mean, okay, so coming back to this season again and looking forward to what's happened in the last couple of, or oh, last month or so, AFCON, okay, affected both the Bs and Liverpool. We both suffered player loss. I mean, I, I think if anything, actually, Brentford were probably, uh, were we ahead of Liverpool in the fact that we actually had a player in the final and a player in the, yeah. <laughs> in the semi-final? So uh, there's there's one thing that we've beaten Liverpool on this season anyway. But like I said, you both suffered player loss. Um, Mo Salah, Obviously, he's played for Egypt, but also he uh, left the field of play because he got injured as well, yeah. which is the one thing that you really hate when your players are going to... I mean, we were praying that our, player, that our players actually got knocked out early. Their teams got knocked out early so we can get Wieser to come back early. We could um, get Frank the Tank uh, to come back early as well. Um, but I'm just wondering, how much did AFCON affect Liverpool? Because for me, it seemed that actually the players that stepped in seemed to have done all right. Yeah, Jots has been brilliant. Um, so the biggest issue for us is the injury because it's it's still, in a sense, AFCON is still... Uh, affecting us. There was some footage of Mo Salah kicking a ball around with the rest of the lads yesterday so maybe he will be available for the weekend and we know he's very physically robust but ultimately, given when Egypt went out, if we allow for the idea that Salah wouldn't have got them through the next round, had he been fit, he'd have been back for that game against Arsenal and that game against Arsenal we were blunted massively because we had no out ball because neither Salah nor uh, Nunez started the game. Nunez came off the bench um, and you know didn't really manage to impact it by that stage. But we had no Salah, and that that that's the one down. But for a lot of these other positive results I spoke about earlier, we had no Salah, and, and as I say, Diogo Jota especially uh, stepped right up and being excellent. So it's not a. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. 
Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. It's, it's it, you know, you always look at it now and go, oh, God, but I, I just think we've got a few years of experience with it. And also, um, everyone knew it was in the post and this is back to the idea that there is a determination around Liverpool. Mm. There's a number of players, I think, who feel as though they've got the right amount to prove. They haven't got mm. everything to prove, uh, mm. but they've got the right amount to prove. And Diogo Jota is one of them. And he is most definitely, I think all the, listen, Liverpool season this season, I found a lot of the pre-season, I'm sure I'll have said this to you last time I was on, um, I found a lot of the pre-season speculation around Liverpool to be quite ignorant um, from the mainstream commentators. And that's not out of some sort of remarkable desire to to defend Liverpool. But I've I've been of the view Liverpool have got the best goalkeeper in the league and they've got the best range of attackers in the league. And if there's one thing that we've learned through all of watching football forever is that if you've got the best attackers and you've got the best goalkeeper, you've always got a chance. And there's been a lot of stuff that was written pre-season about Liverpool as though they'll be fortunate to get back in the top four. There's a new, it's a new era. You've got to watch Manchester United. You've got to watch Newcastle. This Arsenal side are unbelievable, and this and this is a really good Arsenal side. But you know Chelsea, all the money they've spent, they're a common force. What's Postecoglou going to do with Tottenham? All the hits, all the hits getting played over and over again. But Liverpool had the best set of attackers and the best goalkeeper, and you work the rest of it out. And then Van Dijk has pretty much got himself back to previous form. Trent Alexander-Arnold's had a good season. We had no Andy Robertson for 13 weeks, but we coped. Uh, again, an interesting sort of comparison here. And by the way, we should cope because we've got more money and more strength in depth. But we've coped without our first-choice left-back, Beth and Brentford have coped without theirs. As I say, we should, given the stature of the two clubs. But it's worth pointing that out. Brentford know what it is to lose a start and fullback uh, for for an extended period of time. But we've coped in that regard. We've had two, two, start, two starting fullbacks. Yeah. We've lost both of them. Yeah, and we had a period there where we had no trans and no Robertson as well. A couple of periods in there, but we've 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 got through it and got out the other side. Uh, as I say, we should. That's the point, and this is back to my overall thing about Klopp going. You know, there's no hiding places here. Liverpool have got the budgets, uh, so it should be about that. But we've done that, and I think that at the start of the campaign there was this idea of Liverpool. You know, will find themselves outgunned. Whereas what everyone missed is that Liverpool actually have more guns than everybody else. It's the rest of it that we still need to cobble together and work out. So, I mean, you're obviously very happy with the Liverpool squad this season. I mean, what's good? I mean, so what could be better? Or, I mean, you know, you've told us what you love about it, the players that have come in. You know, what's good and what could be better? I think that there's still there's still a question around fitness and performance of the midfield. So. So Bosley may or may not be fit for this one. He, he he had an injury, came back from it, and then disappeared off with an injury again. Thiago plays 10 minutes against Arsenal before he's out again for a layoff. McAllister's been in and out. He got a really bad kick away at Sheffield United, um, which which has done him in. Wataru Endo has, has settled now 100%. Um, but, you know, the thing that everyone will say... And this is fine in that this isn't, you know, it's not possible. But if you put took Rodri out of City's first 11 and put Rodri in our first 11, we'd win this league at a canter. At a canter. Not least because it would mean they didn't have Rodri anymore. Because I think he's that good. So, you know, we'd all always like a footballer to join our team who's as good as the opposition's best player. <laughs> and that's, you know, that's the thing that you'd always want. But that's still, it still does remain a valid question. But McAllister, when he's played that role, has done ever so well. And Endo has grown and grown through the season. He grows and grows through games as well. So, you know, we're not perfect. Um, I think that I'd like possibly one more pacey forward, even though I love our forward options. I'd like one more 
who is genuinely rapid. Um, so, you know, that can come as well. But there'll, there'll be a couple of changes, I'm sure, whether whoever the new manager is when he comes in. We're not perfect. There's a couple of things you would like to be different. And as I say, I think I'd like a bit more consistency of both performance and attendance for <laughs> want mm-hmm. a better phrase from the midfield from a, from the midfield options mm-hmm. uh, but apart from that we are in good nick yeah so just coming back to the title race i just want you to confirm with me so you're saying the title race are you saying it's a three-way race is it a four-way race is it a three-way um, race yeah i'm furious it's a three-way race i mean no let listen i can barely take allow myself to take <laughs> north london seriously enough to include <laughs> arsenal i am not under any circumstances including tottenham hotspur in this um you know it's i have to strain my sinews to include arsenal but listen they beat us 3-1 at their gaff so they're in uh, they've just scored six at West Ham. They've fixed the goal difference issue that they had, which was only a minor one. Their goal difference is now only one poorer than ours and, and is, is the same as City's. So, no, Arsenal are in, whether I like it or not. Um, it's a three-horse race. It's not a four-horse race. It was never a four- or five-horse race because the reality is course and distance tells and, and, and I think you're seeing at the minute Villa are just beginning to find it that hard um, to, to, to keep putting those those performances and results in. Um I do think Tottenham have done a good job. As I said before, Postacoglu as a potential Liverpool manager wouldn't wouldn't surprise me. And they've worked a thing or two out as well in terms of quality of attack. That's what they do first and foremost, and and, and it's a credit to them. But Tottenham are not in this. Uh, this is Liverpool, City and Arsenal. And City have still got to play both Liverpool and Arsenal. But I reckon City is actually saying, well, that's good because we'll beat them both. So, I mean, obviously you're confident winning the league, but you, there must be one team that... You, it sounds like Manchester City are the one that you're scared about, even though Arsenal, to be fair, they're, they're, they're on fire at the moment now. Yeah, they are, but I'm, at City, I mean, you know, they've, they've won the last three, they're trying to win a fourth. Um, if Arsenal break through the middle of the two of us, then, you know, fair play to them, but you no, know, it's City. They come to Anfield, uh, 10th of March, it's or 11th, 10th or 11th of March, it's the Sunday of that weekend anyway, that, that they're at Anfield, and it feels like it could be an enormous affair, and our job is to go into that game two points clear of them um, or one point behind them because there's the game in hand which they've got coming up on on Tuesday against against you guys, which they will be favourites to win. Um, so we've got to make sure that whatever happens when they get to Anfield, uh, Liverpool uh, win and go top above them, same number of games played. And, and and I'm going to say this as well. I'm just saying this because Brentford fan, I'm just happy to be there as well. I know we're playing Manchester City next week. As you know, Brentford always come up with one really weird result, you know, at least right in a, in a season. If you just come out with a result at that least. everyone goes, well, at least, at least one. Last season, there's a lot more. So all I'm going to say to you is between now and the end of the season, there is going to be one weird result coming out, whether or not it's on Saturday against you or it's Manchester City on Tuesday or whether or not it's going to be Arsenal in a month's time. But I'm just saying to you, trust me, one of them results, I think are going to go the way that people aren't going to expect it to and i, I can I guess agree. i can guess which one you'd want you'd want it to be as well uh, i know uh, yeah which one i want but I, I know which one i definitely don't want it to be listen you know if you can if, if we can get saturday out the way then you can fill your boots <laughs> okay we'll, we'll see what we can do anyway moving on the last um this season uh oh sorry last season actually um coming down to new griffin park as we call it you um, didn't do particularly well. It was a great game. I was very excited. It was just after just after the happy, just after the new year actually, yeah. and it was a brilliant game. Great result for us. Great atmosphere. It's just it was just one of the, you know after the last the season before three all. I didn't think that game was going to be beaten, but last season's game was fantastic for us. Of course, I know you spoke about this before about how you just come out of a bit of a lull. That was one of your low points, but mm, it is what it is. You know, Brentford. You know they've done what they've done. This season we went up to to to, to Anfield. Um, you gave us a bit of a you know 
comprehensive beating i probably think is the way that it goes i, I think the result probably flattered you a little absolutely bit absolutely did you no, know? No, no not a little bit i thought it very much did i thought we deserved we deserved the points on the day but it, we shaded it it certainly wasn't the scoreline that it suggested but it is what it is but then you know we were that you know we were in the middle of like trying to find our feet with all these players that had gone missing including ivan tony so this match has come back now and uh very different side, very different vibe. We've got a couple of results under our belt. Ivan Tony's getting fitter. We've got Regulon in our side to, to regulate that defence. We've got a few things that are going on. I'm just, just talking to you about Brentford. Just talk to me about Brentford and your vibes on the Bees. I think the season's been very, very odd. Whenever I've caught Brentford, I still think a lot of the, the principles, the core ways of playing, um, they've all been, I think, pretty good. I think they've been pretty accurate. Um, you know, I think they've been a side that is capable of as you said before sort of winning any any game within reason where i think it's gone uh, a little bit tricky for brentford has been i feel like there's been a i feel as though there's been just more individual errors and more moments of things just not being quite right uh, through a number of games so there's been just people knocking off uh, as i said before referring to one of the city goals that you'd never seen in previous years or not 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 in quite the same way and I think that's part of what's led to the to the league position being what it is. I don't think there's any sort of notion of how people have worked out Brentford, which I think has been tried to sort of throw around the place. Because I do think that what well, Brentford are, I think in general, the notion of teams working teams out is a little bit overstated. I think people can, you know, the speed now with which everyone could do the data analysis, get the videos in, everyone's played each other so many times before, everyone knows the players' strengths and weaknesses. I think that gets overstated. I think that you can make a tactical change um, for a period and then decide it's not working for you in the same way anymore and change it again because sides have begun to sort of get a better and better plan around it. But I think it's quite the same as working it out. Um, and I don't think that's happened to Brentford. I think it's been individual moments that have let Brentford down combined with what I think is not a nailed down 100% injury crisis in terms of weight of numbers, but what has been players missing in specific positions. So you can have five injuries in a squad, but if three of your left backs and two of your three forwards are injured, you've got five injuries, but actually you completely ruined in two positions. Yeah. And I think that's what's happened to Brentford. Yeah, so I think when people people look at the injury list and they're a bit like, well, it's not that many players. But the point is, it's the nature of A, who or the unavailability list because it's Tony, but it's the nature of who those players are um, and literally the positions that they play. And there's some sort of point where you're like, well, we, haven't, we now haven't got a competent version of this. Yeah. Whatever exit, we haven't got one anymore. And I thought the biggest thing, the City game's a really good example, both in terms of the knocking off, but the other thing that I thought really did Brentford in was the complete lack of an outball with pace. Yeah. And I think if you'd have had an outball with pace that yeah. day, whatever, only one, whatever it was on the pitch, then I think you'd really, I think in that period I was talking about, especially when I thought City were opening you with a better side, I think you'd have A, got to that period earlier, B, made it last longer, and C, probably made it tell. Yeah. And I think that this is, this is you know, a profile of player, i.e. a lot of our pacey players are not available, are aware in trouble. A position of player, i.e. three of our left-backs are not available, including the one who's the best one by a mile, are aware in trouble. And then combined with a moment where three, two or three centre-backs plus a goalkeeper all don't feel quite as confident in each other as they did 12 months ago when the goalkeeper wasn't there 12 months ago, then you get a bit of a problem. And I think that's why Brentford are where they are, not because of any grand failing or any grand insight from the opposition.
Yeah, you sound like you've been listening to our podcast every week, too, <laughs> <laughs> which is the case. And it is the case, you know, if you speak to the Allard as well, we talk about the fact that, you know, lacking in pace. And we go to teams like Wolves where they're, bo- they're booing us going, boring, boring. But at the end of the day, you know, you, 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 you're lacking your pacey players. You've got Malpo, who's great and he, he pisses people off and he does what he does and he does his assists and he he he, he gets, you know, he, he gets in front of goals so he gets the chances. But it's not the same as having Mbumo up front. It's not even the same as having Wiesa up front, who is he's not the fastest in the world, but he's, you know, he's got a little bit of pace on him. And you lose that. And we've tried to sign so many placey players that it just hasn't happened or we sign them and they've got injured. So we have to uh, we have to adapt again. And I think that yeah. Thomas Fink has been an absolute genius in the fact that we actually are where we are, considering all the players that we've lost, like you know what I'm saying. And that's why everyone keeps coming up to us and saying, oh, are you worried you're going to go down? I'm like, I'm not really worried because we've got some really no. good players and they're coming back and we're going to be fine. So it's really, interesting to hear your analysis of kind of where we're at i mean i think uh, just just on that to be dead quick the idea that you're going down i think is 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 verges on nonsensical because it when you watch brentford versus when you watch when you watched earlier in the season and even now at times again and i'm conscious we're going there in a couple of weeks and they will rouse themselves for us but forest and palace and even to an extent everton now at this point where brentford look likelier to score a goal than everton do to say the least um with one of their players as well with one of their players, exactly, and have a level of organisation um, that also Everton do have. You know, before that's before you get to the three promoted sides. I, I think it's, I think it's chalk and cheese. I think you're, you're talking about a functioning football team and football club on the one hand with Brentford, to football clubs that in, in a few different ways are completely dysfunctional with those three, and then you're talking about the three promoted sides who, you know, Luton's best efforts and they have been incredible efforts to one side just don't have the same quality of footballer as Brentford do. So you know, there's suddenly six teams that Brentford genuinely should finish ahead of before you, you know, before you even have to engage with the idea of anything from 18th, 19th and 20th. Yeah, so I mean, so talking about our team and obviously, like I said, you watch us, you know, a fair bit and just yeah. looking at where we're at, you know, obviously we've got, you know, um, players that are out, you know, Hickey and 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 and, and Eureka Henrys and stuff like that. But we still got players in and looking at who we've got, you know, from your Regulons for, to your to your Jensen's to your Keen Lewis Potters, maybe to your Neil Malpays, your Ivan Tony who's back, you know, your Roslev who probably does that on the flanks. I'm just wondering who are the players who you are maybe slightly concerned about on Saturday? Uh, Tony's the obvious one, but I think if I was picking, if I was in Thomas Frank's shoes, I would actually start Lewis Potter uh, ahead of more pay. And, and the reason why is that idea of just a little bit more pace. I think more pay will try to do Liverpool's heads in a little bit more and maybe sit on Endo if he's the deepest line midfielder and and, 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 and knock him about a little bit and see if he can get something out of him. But I'd, I feel ultimately Tony can do enough of that for you. And the big thing that you want to be able to do and wanted to be able to do against City is turn us round as much as humanly possible. So I think the idea of more pay from 60 to me will make a little bit more sense. I think Roslev's a really interesting player, actually, from afar. I've, I've been intrigued by him. I like Regulon um, whenever I've caught him. It's how much he gets to go forward in the shape, and that could be a lot of that could be influenced by what Liverpool do as well. Mm. But I would, if it was me, I would pair Tony with the with the paciest possible option and allow for the idea that he is raw, more raw, uh, allow for the idea that he might occasionally make a mistake. Um, I love the idea he might miss a straightforward chance if one drops to him, but instead say that the positive will be we could get more space for Tony, more space for Regulon and Russell to move into, more space for, for Jensen to arrive into. 
that's what I'd do. But I understand if he goes for the more experienced option. Mm. So, okay, so match Saturday, big game, 12.30 kickoff. It's on probably TNT, I suppose, because it's a 12.30 yeah. kickoff, uh, which is all good. We'll be down the Globe pub if you Liverpool fans. I know quite a few Liverpool fans, like, you know, yeah. like, you know, they, they they all tucked right in down the Globe. I was quite surprised. They keep turning up when we're not expecting them as well. When you keep having cup <laughs> finals, they keep turning up as well. So it's very nice to have them down as well. So down Windmill Road, down the Globe, nine o'clock in the morning, it'll be open. So if you're down there early, get down there. You'll be more than welcome, like, you know. But um, just want to just just talk to you about this game on Saturday. Give us a score prediction. Um, I think it, I think it may well match the Anfield fixture. I, I think it'll be a horrible, uh, and the Manchester City results, actually. I think it'll be a horrible occasion for Liverpool. I think that the crowds will be up. Um, I think it'll be intimidating. I think it's very important for Liverpool that they score the first goal in that ground um, because I don't think they've done that yet. So I think that if Liverpool can score first, then I think they can go on and win 3-1. But the sort of 3-1, probably even tighter than the City 3-1 where it goes on 70, it wouldn't surprise me if it's the sort of 3-1 where it's 2-1 on 85. Um, and then Liverpool, Brentford rightly, uh, you know, gamble, push men forward and Liverpool find the way on the break. The other thing as well about around that, why I think that could happen. Firstly, we've been excellent with our use of subs this season. Uh, manager's been great. And also I expect Salah to start from the bench. And Salah, when he comes off the bench, is a sight to behold. Um, he looks like he, he he stores up 90 minutes worth of running into a 20-minute capsule. Uh, so I think I think Salah, if Salah starts off the bench especially, um, there, I mean, if Salah starts, then obviously that's better. But if Salah starts off the bench, then I, I do feel as though we should just about uh, have enough, but I'm not expecting it to be pleasant at all. So was it 2-1 or was it 3-1? 3-1, 3-1. 3-1, he says. 2-1 on 85, 3-1 on 95. Right, okay. So 3-1 to the mighty, mighty bees. Is that right? No. That's <laughs> <laughs> All right, Neil. So listen, this is the besotted pride of West London mini pod. I've had a right good chat with my mate Neil from the Anfield Wrap. And uh, we'll probably touch base after the game to see whether or not he's got his prediction right or not. But like yeah. I said to you, all Liverpool fans coming down to Brentford, you can go to any pub in Kew or Brentford. You can wear your colours as long as you've got the manners, as they say. You can come <laughs> inside there. You can have a laugh. You can have a drink with us and stuff like that. Come down before the game, come down after the game and enjoy yourself. But like I said, and in, like I said to you, after the match, I hope you enjoy yourself very much this season. But Neil, it's been great chatting to you. Thank you. Thanks, Billy. And uh, honestly, everyone at Brentford, keep enjoying it and don't be scared of anything. Um, Brentford are going nowhere. You bees. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. 
Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.